Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where it's my job to introduce you to people from the world of commercial property. We're talking with investors and thought leaders about their experiences of the commercial property world and sharing our own lessons from the last 20 years to give you practical know-how so that you can follow in their footsteps. If you've ever thought commercial could be your next step, but it just seems too confusing and opaque, then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. Welcome to the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, the show dedicated to the private investor, and I'm your host, Jerry Alexander. We want to show you how to cross the divide from residential investing over to commercial property investing. Through interviews, tips and lessons learned, we share experiences of investing and give you the inspiration, knowledge and confidence to enjoy this great cash flowing strategy. So let's get started. Thank you for joining me and welcome back to the CPI podcast. In this episode, we have a really interesting and industry-connected guest, Jane Sarton. She's the executive director of the Flexible Workspace Association. It's a UK trade organisation set up for flexible space providers. So who better to talk to about the diversity of the workspace industry? Now, originally, the organisation was called the Business Centre Association and has been running for well over 20 years. At one point, I did a two-year stint on the board up until 2013. It was a really useful experience for me where I could learn more about the industry up close and personal. Since then, the organisation has gone on to change and develop to include a more diverse range of member organisations. Now, I'm really pleased I can share this conversation with you to give you more context about the flexible space industry and how we as private investors and operators can find our niche. Time to listen in. Hi, welcome, Jane. Nice to see you um, again. It's been a wee while since we caught up. I think we last met in Edinburgh. Is that right? Yes, um, I think in, in August, which definitely seems a long time it ago. It seems like yeah. ages ago, doesn't it? So yeah. so let's introduce you to, to the podcast. I'm really excited about having you on the show because there's so much knowledge you've got of our industry. So you're currently executive director of the Flexible Space Association, right? That's it, yes, which is the UK-wide trade association for the flexible workspace industry. Yeah, so shortened to FLEXA. So sometimes there's an event on, there's sometimes a FLEXA. Exactly. Partly because the FSA is already an acronym used by other organisations, so we couldn't <laughs> take that one, so we've done something different. But FLEXA works. <laughs> Brilliant. So maybe we should just give people a bit of a context about what the association does what it represents right now and we might delve into the past because it's been around in other forums for quite a long time hasn't it but maybe you could just start off by just telling us who the association represents right now and, and what you feel the main sort of functions are. So um, we operate as a, a membership organisation and that's in, in terms of you know, fund, funding essentially um, and many trade associations do probably most take that take that model and our members comprise workspace operators ranging from well, IWG are our largest member, TOG, um, Landmark and others, that, that the larger ones, but all the way, you know, quite a lot of single site business centres are yeah. also members and it's the, it's the full range. So those are the workspace operators and then we also have service provider members 
and um, they cover a whole range of, of services provided into the sector, um, technology, legal, consultancy, it's furniture. It's quite, when, when I joined, that was quite surprising to me to, to realise just how many businesses are linked in. And I, I guess that's growing because the industry is growing. And in terms of, of what we do, we're here to speak on behalf of the industry um, on lobbying activities. Um, business rates have taken over my life at the moment. And then we also run lots of events to bring the, the membership together and the wider industry. We, we, we regularly have um, you know, people that aren't members at, at those events. And we promote, support, advise people within, within the industry, provide you know, lots of information and a um, whole range of activities, really. Yeah, it is a diverse church, right? So just maybe let's just touch on that, because I, I remember certainly when I was... Um, working with the the association at the time that there were more mailbox providers coming in there was co-working spaces coming in there there was really quite a diverse range of people providing those services i mean what what's the sort of not the oddest but what what are some of the more different types of organizations because obviously bread and butter is serviced offices but there's really quite a diverse range there now Absolutely. Um, yeah, virtual office providers certainly fall within our members. I think we I think we might only have one that is that is all that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, in general, it tends to sit within within other types of, of services. We we have a, a virtual office forum which brings together some of the government bodies that link into that. So HMRC, trading standards, police, companies house and, and others. And I think that's seen as a really useful um forum because it is a complicated area. And I think yeah. everyone yeah, worries if you get it wrong, and then 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 there's difficulties. And I think it also makes sure that the industry is is shown in a, a good, responsible light that we're wanting to be having those those conversations. And then in other types of services, it is it's perhaps not just the services, it's how they're provided. I think I'm really struck by the diversity of types of workspace that's offered in terms of the design. And yes. and that ranges from, you know, simple white office through to, you know, incredibly high-end design, um, interesting buildings. Um, yeah, so it is that whole range. And we, we've started... Uh, and we, we, I, we spoke briefly beforehand about that that word hotelification of the of the serviced office market. It's something that's becoming um, a, <laughs> a word people are using more. And you know, I, I, it would be interesting to see from your perspective: are lots of people discussing that because it's just a sexy topic to talk about, or actually, is it something that's really sweeping the industry? What, what's your thoughts on that? I think there's a lot to learn from that industry, and. We had a, a our annual conference in 2021. We had Alexandra Livesey, who's the CEO of Clockwise, speaking. And she had come not that long before that point, really, um, from the hotel industry and had a yeah. wealth of experience in that and was bringing that experience in. So she was out. She spoke about the other parallels and what could be learned from it and how there were many, many things in the work, the direction that Flexible Workspace was taking that was perhaps bringing it more into line with um with the hotel industry it's about service isn't it it's customer service i i think certainly perhaps particularly coming out of the pandemic when there were maybe some you know, more changes in in what people were, were doing we were we were definitely hearing more people who'd come from the hotel industry into into serviced offices and other types of workspace and had that you know fantastic high standards of customer service which can really help make success of of, of what what this industry does 
yeah, it's, it's diversifying the industry. It's making it the the breadth of cover is quite considerable, mm-hmm. isn't it? From an operator who maybe doesn't have any staff on site, just your basic offer, but that's maybe what that market needs, through to a whole different approach. I mean, so for instance, we often now use the term members. We often, I, I remember. I used to get told off for saying tenants, so everybody's a client, right? But now they're members <laughs> because our, our model's changing and, and the approach that we that we take to treating each and individual person that uses our space, not just the person who signs the check or pays the pays the rent, but everybody, you're, you're treating them all as members. And the, the Flexible Space Association is a is a reflection, I think, the name, because we changed, when was the name changed, Jane? From 2019. Yeah, yeah, not so, that, yeah, and it, yeah. and it's still it's a, it's the same organisation. It's it's doing the same things. But I think I was because I I joined at the the very end of twenty eighteen, and I was getting a lot of feedback from um, our member companies who who didn't call yeah well, was the business centre association, and they wouldn't call themselves what what that was what what they yes. did. But we still have large numbers of business centers within the membership and the wider industry and yeah they're equally yeah they're, they're doing sometimes something a bit different than than other types of you know co-working space or, or whatever um but it's it's a, yeah i think fle- flexible space was felt to be more all-encompassing yeah i'm 100 behind that i think it was the right the right name change and at the right time and as as we were just discussing there's one or two new words coming out right and, and i do remember when co-working started coming on the scene as as a prevalent thing and and the business center association had a little bit of a tendency to look over at co-working with a kind of an eye of i'm not sure what these guys are doing and the co-working industry would look over at the bca and kind of say well i'm not really sure what they were doing and they didn't seem to meet um but now all of that has changed it, it seems to be much more integrated Definitely, and, and some of this is is a, is almost a language issue isn't it i think yeah. you know, in in the u.s co-working again is taken as a more all-encompassing it is um, yeah. for a flexible workspace so yeah. we need to be slightly careful in terms of, of of dividing up too much because it's essentially offering the same types of service just different words yeah it is i remember having that discussion with jamie russo and she was very much about co-working but to me co-working is more uh a shared space yeah but jamie it's really effectively what we would have called a business center right it's, yes yeah, <laughs> yeah interchangeable right yeah, and hot, the, the, yeah, hot desking is is still used, but not perhaps to the same extent. Often, hot desking has become co working space. Yeah, yeah. Okay, right. So you mentioned business rates as being a bit of a challenge at the moment, and, and I do remember um, when I was involved with the BCA at, at one point in the dim distant past, I was um, down at Parliament lobbying, and I'm pretty sure it was about business rates then, and that was about ten years ago at least. Um, so. Business rates is, is is an issue. What, what what's your um, thoughts, feelings? What what feedback are you getting from the inner inner corridors of Parliament? So we've got a current issue, which at the moment is only impacting England and Wales. But I think the feeling is, if it carries on, it will it yeah. will um, move <clears throat> to um, Scotland and Northern Ireland, um, where there is um, a, a shift towards not um, assessing individual serviced offices but assessing the the building as a whole which could have significant um 
detrimental consequences to the small businesses that make their home in serviced offices um, and you know, not being eligible for small business rates relief and and um, empty rates relief not not applying for, for the operators. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of consequences of that. It got driven by a small number of local authorities, um, the VOA indicated support for that move so we are spending a significant amount of time and resources um, trying to ensure that that doesn't become the normal approach yeah because the the cost ultimately is going to be for the small business which is the very one that they're supposed to be working for isn't it yeah 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 so we, we we feel like we've got a really strong case to make but it is a very technical issue. Um, I've learned a lot about business rates in the last few months, but I still, you know, long, long way from being an expert on it. Um, and um, and I think yeah, many of many of those that run up that run um, your business centres, particularly, would would be you know, our small businesses. So yeah, yeah we, we feel like we've got a strong case to, to make, and that the government aren't going to to want to see you know, that what, what the consequences of that shift. But there's a bit of a way to go at the moment. Yeah, and and. It's the definitions is the bit that's really difficult as well, isn't it? Because it, is this down to the title? The title is basically that the rates, what the rates value gets placed on, or is it when you have, you know, three or four industrial units that are all completely separate from each other, with separate toilets and everything else, but actually they're under the same title? What you know, what do you do there? And, I think these are all the complicated. There are eight, these complications yeah. and many more. Yeah. Um, and I think something that I've learned in the last few months of talking to many within the industry is everyone's also doing things slightly differently there are different arrangements with different local authorities um then we also have the other uh, the four nations so it's yes it's a it's definitely complicated um <laughs> but it's yeah it's definitely something yes yeah, it's, it's what we're here for to try and resolve it so fantastic okay right well we'll maybe catch up about that when you <laughs> when you have some news so last year i think was conference i chaired a panel about esg yeah. i think it was last year wasn't it yeah um just about energy and social and governance and, and energy really is the one that people are talking a lot about yeah. um but and, and obviously because of the cost of energy but actually the larger corporates are really not just talking about that now they're talking about how you run your business how they run their business the type of environment all that sort of thing so what what are what are the things that you're seeing coming through now? Is there any more concrete pressure on um, operators to to do that? Because obviously the government have a stick approach, but then the other side is the customers coming in saying, "Look, you know, we need this." And where I'm based, just to give a bit more context, you know, we're we're not really in city centres. We've got one in a city centre, but most of our locations are periphery, secondary locations, and our client base isn't necessarily. KPMG or NHS. Um, so within London, I would think there's more of that. But are you seeing or hearing of more pooling from customers? And a question that I've had a number of times over over the past year or so is is operators getting in touch, small, yeah, particularly smaller ones, to say, I've been asked by a prospective customer for for information on on energy ratings and things which they have never been before so i think there's definitely a lot more interest out there and it isn't just the corporates um and i think businesses are realizing that particularly um you know have young younger people coming into the to the workforce have a lot more interest in this a lot more knowledge in it and want to be working for for for, for companies that are you know environmentally socially responsible um and of course if if they don't if they don't control their own workspace, then they're going to need to ask the operators for that information. Yeah, so it, there is becoming more impact. But you're helping members by 
giving them a little bit of support on what they might need to do it's quite tricky been, isn't it yeah there's been a few, a few conversations right? and, and then and the broader issue of of energy prices is clearly hitting as it is every industry and I, i've yeah. certainly had quite a lot of queries in terms of are other people increasing their what they're charging because of energy prices and that's coming quite a lot and i think I think it varies significantly, um, but and also it depends. You know, some people have have were, were lucky and or for, you know, or well planning in terms of locking in good deals earlier on, which have still got a way yeah. to run. Then they're clearly in a better position than those um, who who you know, are seeing um, their contracts come to an end you know, now. Um, so I think yeah, it it varies, but I think most people and the reality is we're all seeing prices going up in absolutely everything that we're we're purchasing so it's not a surprise i'm sure to to anybody with them um, flexible workspace that they're seeing those charges yeah increasing. yeah increasing yeah and, and certainly our membership our clients are 99 percent of the time just saying yep we accept there's an increase here um on your license fee just because of what's going on but what uh, is there any interesting things you've seen there about what um flex off and um, flex space companies are doing to mitigate that other than raising prices? I'm certainly you know, trying to take steps to encourage just the basic things like turning yeah. lights off. I mean, it's amazing, isn't it, how how many, particularly if you're outside on a, a dark evening and you can see office blocks that have still got all the lights on. Um, and I see it in the building that the office building that we're in. You, I, if I leave late in the evening and walk past all the offices that have still got their lights in, it's, I find that quite frustrating. That it's not right. that difficult to turn the switch off as you walk out. Um, so I think there is some some of that that uh, that approach of just trying to trying to encourage everybody to to do the right thing. And obviously, it's in it's in customers' interests as well, isn't it? In the long term, to be doing sensible things and. And, and clearly, you know, steps around um, you know, heating efficiency and, and and not having other things on when they're you know, not leaving the, the television in the reception area on 24-7 because it yeah. really doesn't need to be, even though it might be easier. Yeah, small steps that can be taken at least. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, trying to increase prices in general, which is acceptable, mm. and also trying to reduce their, their impact or the amount they're using. Making it more efficient, I yeah. guess, is the key thing, isn't yes. it? Yes. I wanted to just talk a little bit about the market in general, Jane, if that's possible. And and I know that it's hard to pin down definitions of what our market is just based on the context of what we discussed earlier on about all the different operators and what they, they do. But just in terms of more traditional serviced office spaces, have you got some stats on just how many there are in, uh, locations in the UK or how many are maybe more independent and I, and I appreciate we maybe have to discuss what independent means but but just in general the size of the market yeah and it, it's it's amazing how much these figures vary the figure that instant group publish in terms yeah. of the, the total number of uk um flexible workspaces is just over six thousand. Yeah. um and but <laughs> it it varies you talk to other brokers and it's quite a lot the figure can be quite a lot lower so i think that depends on what you're really including Indeed. as a flexible workspace but it is it's definitely hard to get a real handle on um on what those what that figure is it's a, con it's a constant pressure it's constant discussion at our board meetings as to what the size of yeah. the total so, is so so here's an ex yeah so here's maybe just an example so one of the customers i'm dealing with um in, in my sort of consultancy support side has a unit with um about nine spaces in it 
nine offices. It's in a traditional building. It's not flexible in that we can drop walls and things because they're stone walls and stuff. But nevertheless, um, the entrance to it is flexible. You know, it's 24 hours you're in, 12-month license, three-month notice period, the sort of things we would expect in terms of flexible offer and not necessarily flexible space. And, and that will be completely under the radar, you know, in terms of instant and others. And, and there are quite a few others I think about, I think in my head, well, I see, yep, these guys have just started. They've maybe got a space with, I can think of another one. They've got six kind of industrial workshoppy type spaces within one property. To me, I would call that a commercial multiple occupancy building. I'm not sure whether it would be flex space. It's difficult to know what, where the definition would lie. Yeah, no, that, I know, in the, the, the small town that I live in has got a coffee shop, which I think got a bit frustrated with a number of people that came and sat at their laptops <laughs> and spent a very long time working with one cup of coffee and have now used the empty floor above the um, the coffee shop to use as co-working space. And there are no laptop signs on all of the tables in the, in yes. the coffee shop area. Um, but I... I I, it feels unlikely that that's in the radar of the brokers because it is a very local, um, small facility. So again, there must be a, a lot of examples like that, particularly on small co-working space that aren't being captured in those figures. Yeah. So, so when, so when I was thinking, um, and you and I had that conversation, I was thinking about right, Jane would be great to have on the podcast to discuss the industry and and obviously to also talk about what you you know what the organisation does, but it just brings up that thing about well. What is the industry? And from my point of view, I feel my customer base listening to the podcast, um, podcast listeners, generally they're private investors. They generally maybe have a little bit of experience in residential. They're looking at getting into commercial property. They're thinking about maybe an angle or a way of adding value. And, and often that's taking a redundant building or a building that's not working very well and subdividing it. And often they are subdivided already. It's just putting in multiple clients. And I think, you know, originally let's just say the business center association as a name would feel too distant it just I'm, i've not got a business center well you maybe have a flexible space so it, it's just that the industry is becoming much wider and i think there's a lot of people that don't understand they're maybe even in that industry and, and probably most listeners have an accountant or somebody that is probably in a mixed use building you know it's actually in a building that has a lawyer in and a a doctor and various different things that go on and you think well is that part of flexible space it's, it's quite difficult isn't it to actually define what's going on definitely in, in i think market. yes yeah the, the broader it gets as well in terms of um of, of the different types of, of yeah, workspace that's included within it. And I think that's becoming increased since the, the pandemic, um, the growth in hybrid working and in how people are working um, is resulting in a growth in, in the industry. And it's, um, yeah, I think increasingly we're going to see people doing things in slightly different ways, but they do all have some kind of joint connection of of, of, of what they're doing is, is flexible workspace. Yeah, you're right. And there's definitely a reflection from the, from COVID as to what's going on. And, and that does lead me on to a question I do want to ask, which is just, you know, shifts in market demand. Have you seen, and, and obviously the operators respond to that, investors respond to that, but have you seen a shift in the type of product or an acceleration of certain types of product? And you mentioned you know, mem membership. I think membership is membership schemes have definitely increased significantly in that in the last year or 18 months um, and I yeah, dur during the pandemic we ran lots of um, virtual 
roundtable meetings because we would normally bring people together in cities couldn't do that realized yeah. we could bring them online and we kind of divided up the UK and brought brought people together which which went really well and I remember it started to become a bit of a theme that people were saying I've been approached by people who who only want an, an office or a desk for two days a week yeah. and that's just not going to be possible how are we going to work that commercially but it is now pretty commonplace in those t- you know, variety of membership schemes that you you buy your pass that gets you access to to 10 days a month or whatever it is there's all sorts yeah. of combinations within that you get companies that are able to buy a certain number of passes without having to mean that they're for an individual so that they can use them in different places they want bigger companies want staff to be able to work closer to home in in different different parts of the UK so I think that feels it's a a real shift because the the reality is it's unusual now for people that are, are office based to be in that office five days a week and and that's the way it is and yeah, I'm I'm talking to you right now from home because this is it's you know, I, I I'm more confident that it'll be quiet here and yes yeah, it's, it's um it's but I'm 20 minutes drive from the office once we've finished talking I will go into the office so much more flexible approach to way that working in the place that works for the tasks that you're doing. Yeah, so providers are having to think about maybe not having a a 12 month license for a, an eight person space that might now be still eight people. Yeah. but they're using the space in completely different ways. Yeah, and, and and needing, I think everyone's accepted the the need to be more flexible in what they're doing and that approach. Um, in in and it and it is working. And and there is still also the um, you know, pe- people maybe start out with taking a, a desk for a, a few days a month, but then realise that actually what is in the premises that they're in are some small private offices, so maybe that would be better for them. So yeah. there is those opportunities as well to to increase that business. Yeah, I, I think it's important also just to say, you know, that there's still a place for operators at, at a different part of the market. Um, there's, I think for people that are just looking at the market from the outside, it might be exciting to think about co-working and it is quite an interesting, vibrant space to be in and, and, and dealing with lots of different people doing lots of different things. It's really quite absorbing and quite exciting to be in that environment. But if you're looking at investing in property and you're thinking, well, I'm not sure I want to have such a trading activity going on. I think I, I think I need some more secure income. For quite a lot of providers now, I think it's it's that kind of central space that you mentioned about being able to come in and use hot desks and do different types of types of uses, but having the permanence of some private space around that. And it seems that the co-working industry, going back to what's the co-working industry, but the shared space industry yeah. struggled. I remember during that kind of that breakout time when they were really accelerating, they struggled with not having private space. And and we were struggling because we didn't have co-working space. And actually that blend now is really working really well. But for, for new operators that are looking more from an investment point of view, I think you don't have to worry too much about creating this huge vibrant space with loads of sexy furniture and all the technology in the world because actually there's a place for all sorts of types of offers and and if you're in a local town where maybe they're not quite ready for that or maybe they're just looking for a quiet space with really good internet there's a place for all of it and and have you seen you, you know a, a, a dramatic shift towards all the shared spaces and co-working actually are all the operators that have just got their head down and keeping on with it all doing just fine yeah I, th- I think the reality is that the co-working space so 
and you know we work a classic on this that if you look at if you if you're particularly in central london where they've got some large buildings if you're a member of the public walking past you look through the glass windows and you see all these desks with people working in all this shared space you don't look up that every other floor of the building is private offices yeah. and so i think i think it's 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 that presentation bit in in some ways, and I think, yeah, m most people that are, you know, running, running, um, uh, you know, reasonable sized businesses that have co-working space will also be, be providing those private offices and meeting rooms and, and other activities as well. But yeah, it's a good that genuine co-working space is definitely a good entry point for 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 people, particularly testing as to whether or not this is the type of workspace that would would work for them. And it and it's also helpful if you if you have. If you're in a, a, a private office well, with other people, then having somewhere else within the building you can go and sit as well is often good. So I think there's there's lots of, of wins for it. But not that long ago, someone was saying to me that there was, I think it was actually local authority run, of, of they, they had some co-working space um, and um, they, in one building, which had been very successful, they'd seen a real increase in, in interest in it. Another floor of the building became available and they thought, great, we can add more co-working space. But that was it. There was they were clearly at the limit in terms of customers for that, and they 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 struggled to fill the new right. space. Interesting, yeah, yeah. They hadn't quite worked out where the tipping point was. Yeah. Have you seen any other kind of challenges that operators have had recently with the market shift? Is there any sort of things you could highlight that people have struggled with? I mean, obviously, we spoke about heating <laughs> and energy costs, but in terms of just the model or the market demand. I think what's been interesting is it's almost quite hard to see a real pattern and that mm -hmm. sometimes it's surprising that you'll talk particularly operators that are running a number of centres in maybe different places even or you know, different places within a, a large city and and they can't quite put their finger on why some of them are working and some aren't and I think that that's clearly difficult and I guess it depends on on the competition locally as well. I mean, the reality is, as the as the sector grows, then there is more competition, and and like you know, I guess in some areas there will only be so many customers that are are, are going to be be looking for those facilities. So I so I guess that has an, some some level of impact. And I think you know, services evolving, and also the focus on the look of workspace, and and that perhaps more people, particularly those that are maybe coming out of corporate offices are looking for well-designed workspace and that's a bit more what what they're looking yeah. for um but the, there is clearly a scope for a variety of models okay so let's just delve into that a little bit more so let's let's park london right i remember there used to be a stat that within the m25 there was more service space than there was anywhere else in the world it was just phenomenal but obviously it's grown to lots of other locations and you've mentioned earlier on you went, you've been out to manchester you've been out to birmingham we met in Edinburgh, you're out doing roadshows and meeting other operators. So just park in London, looking at other other markets, is there some things that you've you've noticed that people are doing really well? That's that, you know, maybe it's just something that's making things work, tick better? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the variety is important. So we did we did a workspace tour in Birmingham a few weeks ago with some of our members. So they were seeing each other's workspaces and we yeah. went went round and um and what really struck everybody was the variety. And and at the end, um, the, there was a conversation around you. Yeah, yes, we're yes we're competitors, but we're all doing something different. And there is a market for what we're doing. And they were all doing reasonably well in terms of of occupancy. But it was a variety of of buildings in particular. The beautiful listed building, the the more 
basic you know office space that was very centrally located we went to a spaces building that had a new innovation of sort of it was meant to, the idea is it's a step up from co-working space in giving people some private space but in kind of open cubicles but with doors that can lock and everyone thought that was yeah really it was something different it'll be interesting to see how that yeah whether that it, that grows as a concept yeah yeah as a consequence of a shape and style of a floor that we had in a building, we actually did that. We've got very small cubicles around a co-working space in the middle, and it's worked really well. Um, and, and during COVID, when we finished it, it got used a lot. And I thought, well, is that just a symptom of COVID? Everyone wants to be in their isolation booth. <laughs> or or does it um, continue after? And it has continued. It's been really popular. Um, and we've started trying to just incorporate that a little bit more design now where we're doing, especially if we've got an open plan space, is let's fit a central breakout cohort space, but around the perimeter, try and fit office smaller pods rather than larger spaces. And it's just been working really well. It's quite interesting how that's going Yeah, and I think that something that's changed is how much time we're all spending on these kind of calls, yeah, the, the, the video calls of different yep. types. And and the reality is, and one of the reasons that I'm doing this from home at the moment is because if I'd, if I'd gone into um, my office, we've got other, you know, other people in that private office, doesn't really work if conversations are going on, even with headphones, you still get distracted. And then it's a case of, is it, you know, can you book a meeting room? Is there something available? So I think, yeah, that, that there is definitely a need for more spaces like that. And we, yeah, we don't have any of those, the, the um, sort of phone booth type things, but I, you know, I use them when I go to other, other, other <laughs> workspaces yeah. and really like them. So yeah. again, it's those kind of facilities in a changing way of working. Unfortunately, they're not cheap, Jane. No, That's I know. The they're like five, <laughs> six grand just for something basic. Yeah. 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 I'm yeah. seeing them built in as well, though, for new workspace. There's a, mm. They're actually being built into to the structure and I put a door on the front and a basic table yeah. and, and that's that's great. Yeah, because you you work out, yeah, actually probably I could build this for half a price and still have the impact. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's an option, yeah. <laughs> um there's a conference coming up, right? Twenty-third of May, yes. What's um, the topic this year? Um, ah, now you put me on the spot because I, mm. I, I'm not going to remember the title off the top of my head. So last year we we focused particularly on ESG matters. Yep. We take we're taking the approach this year to be a bit more general in terms of being able to cover a wide range okay, of topics of, of things that yeah, are relevant to to the sector. Business rates will definitely come up. Yeah. Um, we're yeah looking at the role that that co-working space can play in supporting local economy um and i think yeah there'll, there'll be a be a wide range of, of topics again um conferences is in london we obviously always hope that people will come it's always difficult and you know, i get asked oh can't it be in other places um it's it's challenging in terms of making sure that you've got enough people yeah. but we have it online as well so so there is that option of joining yeah. online i always remember that discussion about well, like, well what if we have it in manchester somewhere but then the problem is all the people in london can't be bothered because manchester is so far north <laughs> it is frustrating and i yeah i i know i absolutely get it and we but yeah we're we're making much more and in, in the last few weeks i've been in leeds manchester birmingham um i'm in reading next week we've got a whole program through the year where we're making sure that we're in in different um places around the uk yeah. so we, we're absolutely covering that but i think for the conference in terms of getting that scale um i'm yeah it, it's london at the moment and you do get international visitors too there's yes. there's faces there i recognize that you know they come in from other locations even australia the us it's, it's great 
Yeah, no, um, Spain particularly seem always, always support that we get we get people yeah. from Spain. So yeah. Okay, great. So I'm in the show notes. I will put in there about that date and also just some um, more details about the association if anybody wants to to reach out and find out. Um, Jane, I'm assuming maybe an email or LinkedIn. Where, where's the best place to find you? So our, our website, and at the moment we are offering six months free membership to workspace operators, and that's recognising that the the industry has grown significantly, um, and we need to grow awareness of us as the association. And it's with every trade association, the the larger the proportion of the industry it can be said to represent, and the stronger it is for everybody. Yeah, so we're absolutely. so we're doing that at the moment. Great, great idea. Okay, Jane, thank you so much for joining me. Um, it's been a pleasure catching up. I look forward to seeing how things evolve, as they always are, and uh, catching you at conference. Thank you. Great to talk to you. Thanks, Jane. Hi there. I hope you're enjoying the content delivered on the CPI podcast. Even though it's free to listen to, it actually takes quite a bit of time and financial commitment to deliver each and every episode. Did you know that by leaving a positive written review, you, yes, you will have a direct impact on the visibility of the podcast. And that's really important because by reaching a wider audience, it helps our team to continually improve the overall content that we deliver to you week after week. For some of you, leaving a review will be second nature, but for others, it might be a first one. Open your podcast app, pick the CPI podcast and search for previous reviews. And on iTunes in particular, click to look at all of the reviews and then you'll see an option to leave a written review. Go on, it'll only take two minutes and it'll really make our day. And we genuinely read every single one of them.